Amen. Thank you, musicians. Let's open up in a word of prayer this morning. God, we are so grateful for who you are, and we adore you this morning. God, we know you are sovereign over all things. So, God, we, we place the situation earlier in your hands. God, we pray that you will just watch over him. God, we thank you that we can come before you this morning and worship. God, we thank you that we can open up your word. God, I pray that we will adore you through song and through the preaching of your word this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us this morning on Father's Day. My name is Will. I'm the associate pastor youth minister here at First Baptist. Uh, Our pastor Cliff is in Zambia right now, and he'll be back later this week. Uh, So I will be uh, teaching this morning from 1 Samuel chapter 3. Uh, The last time I was here in January and taught, I taught from two verses, and it took me 30 minutes. I've got a whole chapter this morning. Um, So luckily, we don't have evening service this morning or or tonight, so we should finish up about 7.30, and we'll get out of here just in time. This morning, we're going to make our way through the chapter 3 of 1 Samuel. We're going to be looking at God's call on a young man. We're going to see how this call turns this servant boy into the prophet and mouthpiece of Israel for God. And we will see how his faithfulness and his obedience to God helps guide the nation of Israel to where they need to be. And how as the history goes and as the story is passed down, his faithfulness guides us and gives us an example of faithfulness as well. And so God is at work in this young man's life. As you know, in this passage, Samuel is born uh, to Hannah, who was barren, who prayed to God for a son, and God answered that prayer. And because of his answering of the prayer, Hannah dedicated Samuel to God for the service of the Lord to Eli at Shiloh in the temple of God. Now, Eli had two sons himself, and these were, according to chapter 2, worthless sons, and they did not know God personally. And so what we're going to see here is there is a contrast between the sons of Eli and Samuel. And we will see that because of Samuel's obedience and faith in the Lord, he prospers and God works through him. And because of Eli and and his son's lack of faithfulness and their greed and sinfulness, God brings judgment upon them. And so this morning we're going to have three central themes or divisions as we look through this text In the first section in verses 1 through 10, we will look at God's call. And we will see this morning that he knows each of us by name and he calls us by name in order to have a relationship with him. Secondly, we will see in verses 11 to 18, God's message. His message brings either salvation or judgment. And this message is partly in due by our response, whether we will receive the salvation or we will receive the judgment. And then lastly, we will look at verses 19 and to the beginning of chapter 4, and we will see that God's word bears fruit. So let us begin this morning reading verses 1 through 10. It says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. 
And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. If you've ever been startled in the middle of the night or been woken up, you usually are a little disoriented and you don't know what's going on. And a few months ago, before we moved back to Dublin, uh, my dad called me, not really in the middle of the night, it was probably around 10, but Babs and I love our sleep. And so we went to bed that night, and I have a feature on my phone called Do Not Disturb. And you press this button on your phone, and it keeps phone calls and texts and emails and and social media posts uh, from coming in in the night and waking you up. Now, this comes in handy for me as a youth pastor uh, because my youth love to stay up late, much later than I do, and they like to send me texts and posts on social media. And so it allows me to sleep without being interrupted. Well, for some reason that night, the Do Not Disturb feature didn't work, and my dad's phone call came in. And I remember waking up and kind of not knowing what's going on, and you're kind of for a few seconds disoriented, and so immediately I started calling Bab's name and and trying to figure out what she needed and what was going on. And she's looking at me like, you know, what is wrong with you? And she's got no idea, and she's waking up. And then I realize, I, I roll over, and in my hand is my phone, and on it it says, Dad, and I hear my dad in the background saying, Will, are you there? Hello? Anybody there? And... I didn't know it, but I had answered the phone call in the middle of the night, asleep, and answered, and then had no idea that I had answered it. And so in the same situation, Samuel has laid down for, the, for, for rest. He's gone to bed, and God has called him. And it seems like he kind of has his do not disturb feature on. He, he, he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know who's calling. And so he immediately responds by going to Eli. And so he, kind of, he goes and sees, and he says, you know, what do you need? Is there anything wrong? Here I, here I am. You know, can I get you some water? Is there anything that you need? And so Eli, it takes him a few minutes to get used to it, and he realizes that it's not Eli that is calling, it's God. And so Eli tells him, go, and next time that he comes, next time God calls, say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And so what we're going to see this morning is that through this passage that God calls each of us, and he calls us not in a generic way, not in a way that is similar to everyone else, but he calls us personally by name. And it may happen at night, it may happen two or three times, you may have your do not disturb feature on, you may be thinking of other things, but God is calling each of us to have a relationship with him. And so what we will see this morning is when we answer this call, he can use us in a way that goes far beyond our capabilities or abilities. And so Samuel, in this passage, is ministering to Eli in the house of God in Shiloh. And so we see in verse 1 that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And this basically means that God is not speaking to the people very much. Because of their sin, because of the the greediness and, and the prevailing sin in their lives, God has momentarily stopped speaking to the people of Israel. And this is probably due to Eli and his sons and their greed and their sinfulness. And if you were to look back in chapter 2, you would see that Eli does not stop his sons from taking from the offerings of the Lord. And so his sons have become greedy. They take from the fat of the Lord in the offering. 
and they use them for their own gain. And so because of this, God sends a man to judge Eli and says that their destruction is near and the judgment is inevitable and there is nothing they can do about it. Now in verse 3, it also relates that the lamp of God had not yet gone out. This likely means that it is at late at night or early in the morning. And what would have happened was there was a, light, a lamp that was lit for the night. And as that lamp went out in the morning, it would go away. And so it's interesting, if you look at this passage, that Samuel and Eli are lying near the ark of God. This would have contained the law of God. And Eli and his sons are still being disobedient to this law. They're not fulfilling the commands that they have been given. And they're living in greed. And so this shows us this morning, first off, that we can be so in close contact with God, with his word, in the church weekly, but yet we can still not have a personal relationship with him. We can still not encounter God if we are closed off from him. And so next we see that Samuel is called by the Lord, and like a faithful servant, Samuel runs, and he goes to Eli, and he goes to help him. And Eli, as we've already seen, realizes that it's not him that's calling, but it's the Lord. And so Samuel once again obeys. He goes and he listens to Eli, and he says, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Now, when Samuel responds, he leaves out the word Lord. This is likely due to the fact that he doesn't know him yet. He doesn't have a relationship with him yet. And so he says, speak for your servant hears. So the application for this passage this morning in verses 1 through 10 is that we must understand that God calls us each by name. He desires to have a relationship with us. He desires for us to say, speak for your servant hears. And this call is not generic. It is not something that he just calls and we have to go and he, we don't know if he wants a personal relationship with us, but he calls each of us. He calls you at different times and in different stages of life, but he wants to have this personal relationship with you. And so a question for us this morning is, will you answer or have you left the do not disturb feature on your life on? Are there things in your life that are keeping you from answering the call of God? Have you toned him out and gone to sleep and not thought, that he wants to use you, or are you seeking to grow in him and answer his call? Secondly, we see that in regards to Eli's sons, we can know a lot about God, but we, cannot, we can also know a lot about God and not know him personally. We must all come to the place where we hear the call of God and we answer that call with humble submission. Answering the call of God is only made possible by listening for his voice and living a life of obedience through the work of Christ, in order that we can glorify and honor him in all that we do. And so when God calls, his word transforms us, and it renews us just like it did Samuel. If you were to turn into the New Testament in John chapter 10, verse 3, it states that the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Then in verse 14 of the same chapter, he goes on to say that, that he is the good shepherd, speaking of Christ, and that he knows his own and his own know him. And so, so the question this morning is, do you know the shepherd? Do you know Christ? Have you listened to his call on your life and have you responded by saying, speak for your servant hears? So God's call is personal. He knows our name. Our second theme this morning is God's message, and his message brings salvation or judgment. Verses 11 to 18 state the following. He says, Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. 
On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning, then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also, if you would hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. If you are married or if you've ever been in a relationship or had a, a close friendship, you have likely heard of the silent treatment. When Babs and I got married, uh, I was able to see how selfish I am. When you live with someone else, you can see your own sinfulness. And in response to my sinfulness sometimes, Babs gave me the silent treatment. And she didn't have to say anything, and I, and I would know that I was doing something wrong, and she would give me a little look, and you all have probably seen it because she still has to give it to me every once in a while. But... She gives me the silent treatment, and there's nothing that she has to say. There's nothing that she has to do. She just, by being silent, I know that I've done something wrong. And so in the same way, here in this passage, God is giving the silent treatment to the nation of Israel. He has laid forth his law. He has given him then the law of God. He has given them commands, and he has put, set up priests to serve him. And yet, they are not obeying him. They are living in sin. They are being selfish. And so God is silent momentarily. And so what we're going to see here is that following the silent treatment sometimes is even worse than the silence. Now, for me, Babs is very gracious and very forgiving. And so usually, I do not get in trouble after the silent treatment. We work things out, and she, she says, I'll forgive you again for whatever you did. But for God, in this passage... Following the, the silent treatment, he gives either salvation or judgment. For Eli and his sons, he brings judgment. He fulfills what was spoken in chapter 2 in regards to Eli and his family. But then for Samuel, he brings salvation. He uses him, he uses a faithful servant to follow after him who is committed to his ways, who will listen to him. And so he begins to speak again. Now, Samuel's encounter with the Lord leaves him with a daunting task. He leaves him not with a pleasant message to convey. He basically tells him, go pronounce the judgment on Eli, your adopted father, who you have grown up with in the temple, and tell him of the sins that they have committed and the condemnation that's going to come upon them. Now, it's, it can be hard for us to look at this this morning and see why is Eli and his house receiving this judgment. For the Israelites, they would have understood what was happening. Eli and his sons had disregarded the holiness of God. They had placed their greed and their sinfulness in front of their desire to serve and honor him and glorify him. And so how easily does that relate to us this morning? How often do we see our own sinful and selfish ways get in the way of serving a holy God? I can see it in my own marriage how my selfishness can get in the way of my relationship with my wife. But how even more often does it happen in our relationship with the Lord? And so Eli and his sons had acted in a blasphemous way. They had sinned, and their sins had consequences. And so there's spiritual darkness all around. Eli is aging. He's losing his eyesight. 
His sons are being disobedient and greedy, and a boy, a 12-year-old boy likely, is having to serve the Lord in his house. And so we have this picture of spiritual darkness, but we also must realize that God's judgment is just in view of his holiness and the requirements that were set before Eli and his sons. And so for us today, the judgment that we receive because of being sinners is just because we have a holy God. But thankfully, we have Christ, a shepherd, who calls our name and who brings a message of salvation for us if we would only turn to him. And so first, out of this section this morning, we need to realize that God's word does not fail. What God speaks will come to fruition. It will come to completion. And we can trust and believe that what God says in Scripture is true. Now that can be difficult at first because we see that we are unholy, that we are sinful, that we cannot meet the requirements that God has set before us. But, and a huge but, Christ, through the work of of the cross and through the blood shed there and through his resurrection gives us salvation. And so the consequences of our wickedness and our sin are nailed to the cross and we can have salvation through him. One of the themes of the Old Testament is that blessings follow the righteous and while or excuse me, blessings follow the righteous while punishment awaits the wicked. And so this is what we see here as we open up this passage this morning. We see that Eli and his sons are living in sinfulness. They are living in wickedness. And so they are receiving punishment. But for Samuel, who has been obedient, who has served the Lord faithfully, he is receiving blessings because of his faithfulness. And so therefore, this morning, we must realize that our behavior has consequences and that we can live the life that God has called for us only by the work of Christ. And so we must submit our lives not only to God's call, but also to God's word. We have to realize that our religious activity will not bring us salvation. One commentator puts it this way. He says, for all the religious activity, there was no revelation from God. And without God's word, there can never be true spiritual life. Maybe you came here this morning thinking that because you showed up Sunday morning on Father's Day, that your religious activity would make your relationship right with God. As we see in 1 Samuel chapter 3, that is not so. There has to be an encounter with the personal God, with his word, in order to have true spiritual life. We rely on Christ and his grace and his mercy to live the life that we are called to live. And so God invites us to come as we are. He invites us to come as sinners, but he invites us also to not stay as we are. We are called as sinners, but we are called to grow and to confess our sins and to rely on the work of the Spirit and rely on Christ to mold us and to shape us into his image. And so we must never allow ourselves to blame God for our sinfulness. We cannot take on a victim mentality and say that we're not sinners and that it's not our fault. We must claim our own wickedness in order that we can humbly submit to God. Romans three ten through 12 states that none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Maybe you believe this morning that your activities or good works will produce the ability for you to have a good standing in a relationship with God. Realize that it is impossible to live up to the commands of Scripture, that it is only by turning to Christ and relying on His mercy to live a life of obedience. Lastly, we see in this section that God's message is often very hard for us to bear and to share. 
culture today tells us what's right for me may not be right for you, or what's true for me may not be true for you, but that may be the case, but God's word says something else. God's word is truth. It is the standard. It is how we are to live our lives. And so what is true in God's word is true for me and you, whether we like it or not. And so we must tell others of the destruction and death that comes from a sin in a loving way. Samuel had a huge task before him at the age of 12 as a young boy. And he did this in a loving way. He went to bed, likely staying up all night, worried about the message that he had been given. But he was faithful. He followed through proclaiming the message. And so when we receive the message of the gospel, whether it is hard to bear or not, we must share it with others. We must stay to the truth of God's word. And so as you reflect on your life, which of these two messages will be descriptive of your life? Will you have salvation through Christ or will you receive judgment like Eli and his sons? God calls us by by name and his message either brings salvation or judgment. Lastly, we want to look at God's word. And in verses 19 to 4, 1, we will see that God's word bears fruit. It says, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. Last year I realized that I did not have a green thumb. My father-in-law decided to give us a plant for our apartment in Wake Forest Uh, We had never had anything living like a plant or a pet, and so he decided that he was going to give us one, and if you saw his yard, you would realize that both his thumbs are green, and that he is blessed with the gift of gardening and and allowing plants to grow and prosper. And so he gave us this low-maintenance plant, and he said, all you have to do is two things, put put water in it and put it in direct sunlight. And so I said, sounds easy enough, let's do this, we got it, we went back to our apartment after we traveled back from Atlanta. And we go to put it in our apartment, and we realize that there's not much sunlight in our apartment. And the option is to either put it in the corner of our living room where nobody will really see it, but it would get sunlight, or stick it in our hallway where we go to our bedroom every day, and we will be able to see it and think of my father-in-law and how much he loves us. And so as a good son-in-law, I put it in the hallway in order that I could see it and cherish it more. Now, many of you are laughing and my grandmother is too because I see her in her yard all the time working on flowers. If you do not put a plant in the sunlight that says it needs sunlight, it will die. It will fall to the ground. It will not bear fruit. It will lose all its green leaves and you will have a little stick coming out of a potted soil. And you eventually have to throw that away and ask for forgiveness from your father-in-law and pray that, that God's mercy is given to you. Now, the reason I say this story this morning is because Samuel relied on God. He turned towards God, and he allowed God to produce fruit in his life. Now, Eli and his sons relied on themselves. They did not live their lives in the so-called sunlight of God, and they believed that they could do things other than God's word, that they could live in greediness and sinfulness and their own desires, and that they would prosper. But as we see here this morning that without the sunlight, without God's word, we cannot bear fruit. We cannot live a life that is honoring and glorifying to him. We cannot be obedient unless we stick to the source. So as we see here this morning, Samuel continues to grow. 
He, can, he continues to succeed in what God has called him to do only because God was at work in his life. And so God would use him to impact the nation of Israel. He would begin to change the spiritual atmosphere that was around them from verse 1. We would go from having no words and no visions to God speaking through Samuel as his mouthpiece. And so we see here this morning that obedience is required even in the small things. That every aspect of our life, whether we are serving a priest in the house of the Lord, whether we are a father, whether we are a mother, whatever else it is, every action that we have must be obedient to God and his word. And when we do that, God will call us to greater things. He will use our lives in a way that can glorify him because of our obedience. And so this text proves to us the importance of obedient life. It proves to us also that even when spiritual darkness is all around, when there seems like there is no hope, God is raising up individuals and hopefully individuals in this church to fulfill his purposes and bring glory to his name. Each one of you this morning sit here and get to hear God's word. We have the word before us. We do not have to worry about whether God is going to show us his word or whether we are going to have visions. We have it before us. And the question is, will we be obedient to it? Will we follow it? Will the oil and the lamp of God continue to burn and grow? Or will we extinguish it with our lives? We must never underestimate God's ability to use us no matter what age we are. Samuel is likely 12 years old, as I've already mentioned. Some of you may be here this morning and you're 12 or 10 or or 90. Realize that God wants to use you to be obedient for him and to live a life that brings him glory. And so every generation is given God's word. And so our task this morning is to say, speak for your servant hears. Now, this is not only done at the moment of salvation, but it is done daily. It is a task that we must wake up every morning and say, God, speak to us, use us, guide us, and direct us in our lives. God's word is a gift, and he has chosen to to speak to us, so do not take it for granted. Our hope of salvation and our ability to be revived from death is found in our obedient response to God's word. In order for revival and reformation to occur, we must rely on God's word and not take it for granted. Matthew 13, 23 teaches that we must seek and hear to understand God's word and that we can allow it to mold us into his image and bear fruit in our life. Josh spoke of this last week. There are many voices that we can listen to. You come here this morning. There are many distractions. There are many things that you come with. But the question for you is, will you listen to God? Will you answer the call upon your life? My pastor in Wake Forest, in our time there, used to say this. He said, God wants to use ordinary people like you and me to do extraordinary things for his kingdom. You do not have to be an extraordinary individual. He uses sinners. He uses me. He wants to use you in order to glorify him and to bring honor to his name. God's word is not only meant to inform us. We are not here to only get more knowledge about God. We are called here to allow his word to form us into who he wants us to become. And so the question for you this morning is, will you say like Samuel, speak for your servant hears? God calls us each by name. 
His, his message will either bring salvation or judgment depending on the response that we have. And his word will bear fruit in our lives if we will allow him to do so. Please join me in prayer this morning. Father, we are so thankful for who you are. We are so thankful for your word, God, that you speak to us clearly through the scriptures. And God, as you call us this morning, I pray that we will answer that call, that it will be a call that we answer each and every day, that we will humbly submit our lives in order that we can glorify and bring praise and honor to your name. So God, this morning, especially for the fathers in this room, God, I pray that we will direct our children and others in this church to your word. God, I pray that we will not be like Eli and allow our sons and daughters to continue to go in wickedness and in their sin. God, may we realize that revival and hope only stems from our obedient response to God's word. And so may we take that word and cherish it this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.